It's been very difficult. We've had moments which have been very, very tough. We've kind of tried to, to make the best of it. You know, there's always opportunities. There's always ways to turn challenging situations into positive situations. And I think, you know, that's where often the opportunities are. At the time, the majority of vegan food in London was, you know, traditional vegan restaurants, which would say, we're a vegan restaurant, come in, you know, and mostly what you'd find in there would be just people who enjoy eating vegan food. To break into a more mainstream audience, you kind of have to find a way to translate that to people like me. It's not just having a great menu, having a great brand, having a strong Instagram, having lots of customers, it's, it's running a business. And Rachel and I are honest, we have a blog on the, on the website as well. So, I, you know, we try and kind of open the doors as much as possible and be as transparent as possible. And I think that's really resonated with people. They trust us, you know, I think we've, we're a trusted brand. Our eating habits are changing. We're demanding better dining experiences and the food market has never been so competitive. Starting and succeeding with a food business is challenging, but some determined and passionate entrepreneurs are flourishing. These people have big dreams, big passion, and big drive. They are disruptors, change makers, and innovators. They see a positive future. Many say that food business is too risky. Some say that it has huge rewards. Are you up for the challenge? I've just had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Neil Potts from The Burger Co, a vegan restaurant group now uh, in the UK. They've done extremely well coming from a place where they had zero experience in restaurants. They got an idea whilst traveling in California. Neil had some stomach issues and he noticed a massive change in his health uh, from eating plant-based foods. They came back to the UK and set up a street food stall and really off the back of that, the success of that, have gone on to develop a really strong business uh, that's constantly iterating, developing. Uh, they now have a range of products. They had meal kits during COVID and they've actually just launched a restaurant with or during COVID uh, in July, 2020. So it's a great story of how you can become very successful in hospitality with little or no experience. It's just really getting in there, learning quickly and focusing on the right things at the right time. So very interesting story. Uh, the Burger Co are groundbreaking and leaders in the vegan space uh, in the UK. And I'm sure there's lots more to come with the Burger Co. I'm sure they're gonna be a, a even more prominent and very successful concept in hospitality. So sit back and enjoy. So Neil, doing research on you the last few days, I think it's phenomenal the amount of work you've done over Thank the last you. 18 months or so. Like Thank launching you. a restaurant in Brighton, I don't know how you've done that. <laughs> the products, the meal kits, even surviving as a business. Like Thank it's, you. it's really amazing, I think. Thank you. So I guess first off, like how did you personally, and Rachel obviously mm. your partner, mm. how did you get through it personally and how are you feeling at the moment? Um, it was tough, you know, yeah, there's no doubt about it. We, we've had a very tough two years, 18 months. Um, we're lucky in a sense, Rachel and I are partners, you know, in life as well as in business. So um, we kind of had each other, which at times is difficult, obviously, in other ways. But 
this year, this last couple of years especially, has been really kind of everything because we've we've been able to kind of lean on each other, um, and that's frankly how we've got through it. You know, it's mm. it's been very difficult. We've had moments which have been very very tough, um, lots of highs and lows. But yeah, as you say, we've we've kind of tried to to make the best of it. You know, there's always opportunities. There's always ways to turn challenging situations into positive situations, and I think you know that's where often the opportunities are. Okay. Yeah. So was that your mindset as soon as it kind of hit <laughs> that you were thinking, what are the opportunities or what's the positives I can get out of this? Or? Um, no, that came a bit later. I think okay. the, the immediate mindset was our team and safety and customers. Yeah. Um, so very quickly we heard the announcement, I forget the date, but March 2020, um, and we immediately closed all the stores, um, which was not necessarily what everyone else was doing because we kind of swam in a slightly different direction, I think, to most, which was... We didn't know at that stage what it was. We didn't know how dangerous it was. We didn't know, you know, any of the kind of things that we know now. Um, so for us, it was just a case of, well, if we can't guarantee, you know, the basics of our staff safety at work, then how can we, you know, how can we make them come to work? Sure. So for us, that was important. You know, we just decided, and this was before we knew about furlough or anything like that. We yeah. we closed the stores and we told our staff they'd still get paid. Um, and yeah, that was a big decision for us. You know, but we we've always tried to kind of lead with you know, doing the right thing as, as much as we possibly can. Um, it's not, you know, it's not always possible. Sometimes you've got to like compromise a little bit, but um, we really tried to kind of make sure we did the right thing in that scenario, yeah. Okay, makes sense. So yeah. staff first and then- It was at that time, yeah. First, really. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Makes sense, yeah. okay. So growing up in Wales, obviously yeah. yourself and, and Rachel, yeah, yeah. was food or entrepreneurship in the blood from an early stage or is that something that came later? A um, little bit of both. Food, yes. Um, okay. Food in, in Wales and in most people is, is a huge deal. You know, families and um, gatherings and holidays and things like that were always around food. Um, so yeah, food is food has always been a huge passion of both of ours. But um, entrepreneurship, I don't think, you know, it's not in the blood, it's not in the family or anything like that. Sure. Um, I've always been interested in, in starting a business. Um, I started a couple actually before this. We've we've done a property company, we've done a cleaning company, um, you know, <laughs> all things that kind of came and went. Right. But This was together or? No, was this it? was just me at the time, but Rachel was there. But yeah. um, no, this was just me. And the cleaning company went okay for a little while. But, um, but yeah, you kind of, you realize you have to be very passionate about what you're doing. It's too hard. Mm. Um, you know, the hours are too long. The pressure is too much mm. if you don't love what you're doing. Um, so yeah, those things kind of were me dipping my toe in the water and kind of scratching that itch a little bit to do my own thing. And then I went back into a job for a while, quite a long while. Um, and then, yeah, we gradually kind of naturally found our way back to, to entrepreneurialism and we did that you know, together, we were kind of having that itch at the same time. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. exactly. Okay, and I know you went to university mm. and you were working five years or so in the yeah. banking sector, yeah. Rachel in retail. Yeah. What was that spark of inspiration then to say, okay, well, now is the moment that we need to do it? Yeah, so we'd had, we'd had a, we were kind of both moving towards wanting to do something for ourselves anyway. And um, we were approaching 30. Rachel had been working as a fashion buyer uh, in the luxury sector mainly. So she worked in Harrods and she moved to Dubai. She came back and I think that when she came back, she came back into a startup. Um, so it was a fashion startup, which at the time, this was, I don't know, six years ago, uh, no, six or seven years ago, they were doing luxury dresses, but for rental, um, which was very innovative at the time. And is only now, they were a bit early, I think is what happened. They were kind of too early for the market. So now that's a thing. Um, but they, you know, it wasn't quite getting enough traction then, but she loved it. I mean, she loved the, 
ability to use her own experiences and use her kind of career that she'd built so far, mm. relationships in the industry, which are very important. Um, but then turning that into kind of a new innovative way to, to deliver something to customers, which ultimately is what we do now. Mm. Um, so from a retail perspective, a brand perspective, Rachel is, you know, everything to do with our business. She's, okay. she's the, everything you see. Yeah. Um, for us then in terms of what actually clicked us over the line was my health issues had been going for a long time, like years. Um, I'd been having really bad stomach pains, really bad kind of issues when I ate different foods. And we took this big trip to celebrate our 30th birthdays, uh, which are quite close together. And um, we went to California. We spent two and a half weeks or so, three weeks over there and just traveled. You know, we drove everywhere. We ate loads of different things. And at the time, I was a huge meat eater. Mm. Um, and I mean, like, you know, everyday meat. Um, and yeah, we, we just naturally found ourselves eating more and more plant-based food. Um, this wasn't the intent to go there. We didn't go there thinking we're going to eat everything vegan, but we just kind of happened to. Um, and the reason for that is because at the time, again, 2015, they were doing this, I think, better than anyone else, which mm. is creating restaurants and creating experiences that aren't, well, this is a vegan restaurant, come in all vegans. It was just a restaurant. It was a great space, great music, great atmosphere, full of people. Um, people didn't care that it was vegan or not or whatever. It was just great food. Mm. And that's, that, that for us was like really eye-opening on that trip. We were just there and thinking, wow, this is amazing. I eat loads of meat and I don't care that I'm not eating meat. Okay. And um, were you relating this at the time to the UK and thinking, well, this could bit. work in the UK or was it more just, wow, this is Starting this is cool. to, yeah, okay. starting to. So then I basically, as a byproduct of eating all of that food, realized that my stomach was infinitely better. Mm. Um, so then kind of came back and we were both, Rachel was pretty much vegetarian anyway. She didn't eat a lot of meat. Um, but we came back to London and, and I was like, well, I've got to, I've got to keep trying to do this because this is making me feel good. And that, that wasn't enough of a driver for me because the pains were so bad before. Mm. Um, so yeah, we, we came back to London, started looking around. There were some vegan restaurants, of course, you know, it wasn't kind of completely absent, but at the time, the majority of vegan food in London was, you know, traditional vegan restaurants, which would say we're a vegan restaurant come in, you know, and mostly what you'd find in there would be just people who enjoy eating vegan food, um, which is fine, you know, everything has to start somewhere. But then I think to, to break into a more mainstream audience, you kind of have to find a way to translate that to people like me, you know, mm. um, people like me who wouldn't respond well to being told to be vegan. Mm. Um, I respond well to having great food and going, wow, that's vegan. Mm. Um, so I think there was just that slight change for us and we didn't really see that here. Sure. Um, it was fairly common in, in the US at the time, but not so much here. So we, that, that was us for really, we kind of just thought there's a huge gap here to create something that is, you know, really appealing to so many different people. Um, and that was, yeah, that okay. was kind of the birth. Okay. Very good. <laughs> yeah. And then straight off the back of that, then you, you went into street food. I guess yes. a bit of planning phase and then launch Street Food 2016? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, summer 2016. So we, um, we basically found that we want to try and do this. You know, we want to try and see, what was, see what's possible here, see what the market responds to. We didn't have a load of money to spend. We, didn't, we couldn't have just opened a restaurant on day one. We're also not chefs, although mm. we're super passionate about food and decent home cooks, we're not chefs. Mm. Um, so yeah, for us, that was kind of an obvious way to get, get out there, you know, and just start testing things and start seeing what works, what doesn't work, start seeing what people want and what they respond to and what London's ready for, frankly. So, sure, sure. um, so yeah, we, okay. we did that in Tottenham, which was uh, a lot of fun. Well, Amazing. mainly in Tottenham, some other places as well, yeah. but I think it's great street food in terms of yeah. getting feedback, yeah. like instant of feedback from a lot of people. Yeah, of course. 
and also compare you against other operators kind of on the strip Absolutely. or in the market that you're in. Yeah, yeah. You really see where you're, where you're at. Absolutely. Yeah. And Rachel and I were kind of making everything and serving it as well. So we were kind of getting that 360 okay. you know, connection to every, everything basically. Okay. And what would you say was the biggest thing that you learned or you developed off the back of the markets? Um, I think we learned very quickly that there was a market. Okay. Um, you know, people were very passionate about what we were doing. They were coming back every week to see us. Yeah. Um, so that was good. Uh, we learned that hospitality is hard mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and very tiring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we, we just started to learn more about the menu really and, and kind of what was working, what wasn't. And that kind of got us on a good track to, well, iterating, we're always iterating, but getting to a point where, you know, the menu was really good uh, so that we could actually launch the brand properly. Okay, makes sense. But you always had that kind of end vision or that growth path in mind. Yeah, So this sure. was specifically kind of testing, yeah. validating. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 definitely. And for us too, you know, we were brand new to it. So I think for us, you know, if we'd done it and hated it, then that would have told us all we needed to know, yeah. but we felt the opposite. So, okay. um, so yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, and then you took a step up, I guess, in terms mm. of doing pop-ups and yes. restaurants. Yes, we uh, did. Why take that approach rather than continuing to, I guess, scale up in markets, mm -hmm. just do a lot of markets and festivals and things like that? Yeah, I think um, for us to kind of, you know, at the time quit our jobs and do something full-time, I think in our minds it was always a restaurant. Mm. Um, I don't think we ever saw it as, you know, scaling up to 100 markets, which, by the way, is a super profitable business in mm. itself. Yeah. Um, can be even more profitable than the restaurant. But it, to me, it, that, that, that's not the bit I enjoyed. You know, I didn't enjoy the packing the van and, you know, doing all of that stuff. So for me, it was like it had to have a home. Sure. Um, but yeah, we, we, we sort of very quickly moved on that track because customers were saying, um, where do I get you know the full experience? When will you do milkshakes? When will you do you know all the all the other stuff that we couldn't do on a market store? We were literally just selling burgers. Okay. Um, so we had so many ideas and we had so many kind of thoughts for where the brand could evolve, but we couldn't do that from a store. So that's really where we moved into pop-ups, okay. which gave us a great opportunity. I mean, it's effectively a restaurant, but at no mm. capital expense. So. Okay. Um, did you guys do that yourselves as well, or do yeah. you have more operational-minded or experienced people yeah. in? Or yeah, pretty much. We, we did it all ourselves. You know, we prepared all the food still. We, I was in the kitchen, Rachel was front of house. Um, we hired some kind of part-time staff to help us, but yeah, essentially did it ourselves, which was again, important. You know, we, you have to, sure. you have to understand your business. You have to understand what you, who your customers are and what they want. Um, so yeah, so for us, that was really important. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. Um, and then I want to talk about funding. Mm. Uh, I know probably in those days, securing funding through uh, banks or even investors <laughs> yeah. is probably challenging being a vegan concept. Yeah, true. It was obviously new to market, it was quite niche. I guess that equates to risk to some extent. Yeah. So I want to touch on that, but also the crowdfunding, which mm -hmm. you've smashed now a couple of times. I think it? we did it once. Um, once, okay. Yeah, we did it once, but it, at the time, you know, 2016, it was, um, not a new thing and crowdfunding existed, but at the mm. time we were the biggest and fastest restaurant raise um, and especially vegan restaurant raise. So okay. yeah, it was it was fairly new-ish for restaurants to be doing that yeah. um, at the time, yeah. Okay. And how did you gain that traction on the crowdfunding so quickly? Mm. Was it through social media or yeah, a little marketing? Bit. Or? Yeah, a little bit. So Rachel's like very good at brand and kind of building that side of things. So she's she's still like that to this day, you know, manages the Instagram and things like that herself. Okay. Um, and basically we found that as well as learning about the business and learning what direction we needed to take and iterating the menu and learning about our customers, we were also building a following. So we were getting people coming to the market every week, the pop-ups every week. Um, and by the time we got to the crowdfunding, which was, I think, 
summer, early summer 2016, um, we had like, I don't know, 10 or 15,000 Instagram followers, um, wow. which for us has always been a big thing. You know, it's always been very important. Mm. But yeah, we found that that really made a big difference. We had maybe 10 or 15,000 pounds or so tied up before we started the campaign. Yeah. Um, and I know they've tightened this all up now. I think you have to have a really specific number before you can mm. actually have the live campaign. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we were very small. And then just very quickly, it just, it launched. We had a big kind of buzz. We did lots of events beforehand to kind of, you know, get the word out there as best we can. We did some press. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just took off. It was great. Okay. Amazing. It was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. It was over two days or something. You've, you've, you smashed it. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we set a target. I think it was 180,000 initially. Yeah. Um, and we, we did that in 24 hours. Wow. Um, and then we extended to 300,000, which we did in three days. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, it was, yeah. we were very grateful. We were like prepared. We had events planned for the whole month. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously okay. we were grateful to, to close it in much faster time. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So then you opened Shoreditch mm. 2000. 18 yep. and soon after Canary yeah. Wharf yes. the same year so yes. I'm going for it yeah <laughs> yeah uh, off the back of the confidence of the crowdfunding sort <laughs> of go. yeah Canary Wharf was was intentional but it was you know the timing was accidental I'd say because we we opened Shoreditch it was going really well you know we had a really good summer uh, we opened in March I think we op- and then through the spring and summer was really good um, there was a lot of noise about the brand because it was quite you know quite different and lots yeah. of people going there and we had a lot of press at the time um, and then Canary Wharf were just happened to be turning one of their big retail stores. I think it was like Banana Republic or something like that. It was a mm. huge, like 5,000 square foot space they had in one of their malls. Mm. So they decided to turn that into um, a food court, for want of a better word, like a quite an upscale food court. So mm. they would have, in their mind, instead of having all the big chains that they have there already, um, they would turn to independence to make their food offering a little bit more interesting for their, uh, you know, fairly refined clientele there I guess Um, so yeah they came to us which was we were super lucky we had some good agency contacts with property and things like that they came to us and they said Canary Wharf are looking for a really great vegan operator Mm. Um, you know we were looking to grow and Canary Wharf at the time was superb you know it was it's a very consistent easy place to do business because you know between certain hours you're going to be really busy you can staff up for that it's very consistent it's very predictable um so yeah for us it was it was kind of maybe a bit earlier than we we would have gone otherwise okay um but the opportunity but yeah, was the there. opportunity was there and we thought well it's a good one so we'll we'll take it makes sense yeah and in terms of choosing i guess locations in general mm. Are you specifically following like vegan demographics to an extent? Obviously with Brighton you are, but is that kind of very important in terms of strategy or is it more just the the opportunity? It's a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we do pay attention to vegan demographics. They change all the time. And I mean, to be honest, most of the cities in the UK now are pretty good. Mm. Um, You know, there's options everywhere. So I think in the early stages, yes, I think that was a big thing. And Brighton was, you know, obviously a really obvious one for us. but now less so, and now it's much more about you know the demographics of the city in general. A lot has changed in the last eighteen months as well. Uh, lots of people have moved out of London. You know, lots of people are going to different cities to do do new jobs or to live or whatever. So yeah, for us, it's about kind of just finding the right city now and finding the right location within that city because that's okay. also really important. Sure, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, and at that stage, it's relatively quick growth, mm. like two sites in yeah. a year, just off the back of pop up restaurants. Yeah. What kind of challenges did you encounter? And in particular, you're not uh, yeah. so experienced in yeah, restaurants yeah, in terms of career. Yeah. It's yeah. relatively new for you yeah. in terms of fixed sites. Definitely. What was kind of your biggest challenges and how so did you overcome them? So many. So um, many. 
funds are always a big challenge. I think yeah. when you're growing anything, especially a restaurant, which is very capital heavy upfront, um, funding is always a huge challenge. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a thing that's prevalent through the whole journey. Um, but I think in terms of you know, getting to grips with operations, really, it's not just having a great menu, having a great brand, having a strong Instagram, having lots of customers, it's, it's running a business mm. um, and really kind of being very tight. Uh, you know, you'll know restaurants are, are very slim margins in most case. Mm. Um, so you've really got to be tight, you know, and, you, and it took us a while. It took us a while to really implement the right systems, implement mm. the right processes, um, you know, make sure we were doing the right things along the way to, to not lose money, frankly. So most of kind of 2020, just after we opened uh, Canary Wharf in December 2019, uh, 2018, most of 2019 was, um, you know, just learning. Basically, we were wow. just refining what we were doing. We were obviously looking for new things, but we, we weren't going to open anything else in 2019 because it was just, we were so busy with getting to grips with what we had. Wow. Yeah. Is it like a crash yeah. course. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Fantastic. Yeah. Very good. Um, and in terms of, um, I guess, making that a success, I guess, in such a condensed period mm. of time, was there one thing that, or a couple of things maybe you put it down to, like that you really focused on getting right in those early days? I think for us a big thing, well, there's probably two aspects of it. One is a financial aspect, which is that we didn't kind of overcommit. Um, <clears throat> so Shoreditch and Canary Wharf and Brighton to an extent are small sites. Mm. Um, you know, we didn't want to take anything that was too huge too expensive, you know, too capital heavy to fit out. Um, so we really were very, very um, disciplined in, in the sites we were taking on initially. Okay. Um, so that's really helped because even, you know, even in the last 12 months, it's been easier to manage sites which don't drain cash really quickly. Okay. So yeah, for us, that was a big thing. And, that, and I'm proud that we did that quite well because it's obviously tempting to take, you know, the shiny site in the perfect location in Covent Garden or mm. whatever, but it, it, it's often not the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then on the brand side, I think we've done really well to, you know, create a brand that people can buy into, mm. um, but also people can trust, you know, they come to us. Yeah, it looks great on Instagram, but how does it taste? Well, it actually, I'm biased, but obviously in my opinion, you know, the food's the best, at, we're the best at what we do, I think. Mm. Um, so for me, that's a big thing because when customers come and they see it on Instagram, that's one step, getting them through the door, sure. getting them to come back and come back with their friends and come back in six months time to try the new special, you know, that's that's based on the food. Sure. Um, so for me, I'm really proud that we were able to do that as well. Okay, yeah. makes sense. And in terms of Rachel and yourselves, mm. so your roles, so yeah. obviously starting off in street food, yeah. packing the trucks, like yeah, you're saying, yeah, yeah. like yeah. doing everything. Yeah. How have those roles changed now over the last few years? They have, yeah. Right. So we, um, as you say, we started in street food, so we were pretty much both doing everything, whatever needed to be done. Um, we still do to an extent, and we're, we're still in this process of like evolving the roles, and we're still having to give away a little bit more control kind of all the time which is difficult when it's you know something you've kind of sure. grown from nothing but um but no we, we we have evolved so rachel is pretty much everything you can see everything you can taste everything you read about the brand um everything you know in terms of direction of menu and things like that rachel sort of manages all those things she's also now in the last 12 months um taken on sort of oversight of sales of the retail products okay. um so again rachel's you know pretty much everything to do with what you see. Um, I'm more nuts and bolts, you know, I come from a finance background. So for me, that's a more natural home. Um, finance operations, you know, getting all of the, the kind of 
the things in place that we need to do to, to kind of make it a successful business. Okay. Um, property as well, I'm you know, kind of the guy who <laughs> goes out and looks at all the new stuff and, and tries to kind of work out if that's the right opportunity for us. So okay. we're pretty good. I mean, we, we, our skills kind of blend quite well um, and that's always been the case. But yeah, Rachel's quite, uh, quite a visionary, I would say. She's very, like, she's very motivated. She's very kind of uh, determined. She's, very, you know, she's, she's a good presence to be around. Sure. And I'm sort of a bit more reserved and a bit more cautious and a bit more, uh, you know, I suppose, yeah, my mind just works in a different way. Sure. So well, I guess you got that yeah, balance. Exactly, yeah. Each other. yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. very good. And I guess then also in terms of the uh, other skill sets, maybe the mm -hmm. operational skill sets yeah. or the chef as an example, yeah. you just recruit into those positions. We did, yeah. We've gone through lots of different, you know, versions of, of that. Um, so early on, we worked with an awesome chef, uh, Andrew Dog, who ran Vanilla Black, mm. uh, which was, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think one of London's first, you know, fully vegetarian at the time restaurants. Um, brilliant. I mean, just a brilliant chef, you know, top, top quality, could make food in any restaurant in the world, like top, top quality. Yeah. Um, he and his wife actually were, were extremely um, helpful for us early on. They did a lot of work, you know, they did a lot of support with us <coughs> on developing the menu. Just, just, and, and when you talk to a chef, um, you know, most people can make something at home we're okay you know we're, we're not great chefs but we're okay but when you when you then bring a proper chef into the mix who take what you've done and just elevate it you know mm. you, you often can't even tell what they've done but they just elevate it to a level which is like wow that's actually really good sure um so yeah we worked with him for probably six months or so prior to um opening shortage okay just to kind of get everything you know up to a, a decent standard yeah then, since then, pretty much we've been working with um, a chef called Gaz Oakley, mm. um, who's fairly sort of prominent vegan, uh, I suppose. YouTuber? Yeah, he, yeah, he hates, yeah. he hates that that's what it okay. is. But, but yeah, he, I mean, first and foremost, he, he came from a chef background, yeah. um, but started expressing himself through Instagram and YouTube. And of course, that's now taken off. He's got recipe books and all that stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, we, we've worked with him on a kind of consultancy basis, but we do now have an in-house development team. So um, Ellie Smart, who heads that up for us. Um, and we've also got Carolyn, her, her new, um, recruit who and, and both of them are working full-time on, on new things so most of what you see now is is those two okay. basically yeah okay makes sense yeah so let's talk about Brighton yeah uh, you launched it in the middle of COVID yes which is crazy yeah <laughs> yeah um, how did that happen mm. so I know you're meant to launch just before COVID, yes. but how did you actually get it launched in the first place yes um, so we'd been working on Brighton for ages probably you know six or nine months before that we were due to open I think it was Feb or March of 2020 um, Obviously that couldn't happen. So um, our builders had to go home for best part of two months, I think. We decided, obviously we're, you know, we're committed. We'd signed a lease, we, you know, and Brighton's a great place. If you, if you went to Brighton at that time, you'd see that it wasn't actually anywhere near as quiet as London was. Um, and I think that was true of most places I visited in the country. Yeah. People were getting on with things much better than London was. Um, and I don't know what the, what the reason for that is, but it, we definitely had some confidence and Brighton's always been somewhere where we've been very confident that we'd, we'd do well. We also chose a great site. Um, so the site is you know very prominent, really in a busy area of the city. So yeah, all the ingredients were there. Of course, we were coming off a very, very uh, heavy lockdown. So we didn't know what to expect and we were kind of prepared for anything. We had some rent-free built into the agreement. So 
you know, the pressure wasn't enormous, but we were excited to kind of move forward and keep growing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it went really well from the start. Brighton's been awesome for us. Okay. Um, so you fair. started with deliveries or, or meal kits? Um, or? No, I think we started, we were open. I think it was 11th of July. So I forget exactly what the restrictions were, but I remember the restaurant being open. Okay. So I think it was open with restrictions. Okay. And then pretty soon after that, maybe it was September where we had to close again after eat out to help out. Yes. Uh, which was wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the vegan space or mm. plant-based space is growing. Yes. And in particular, Brighton. Yeah. One of the vegan oh, it's amazing. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, as a, I guess, an up-and-coming brand mm. or well-established at this yeah. stage, how do you stay ahead of the competition and just stand out in what's becoming a yeah. crowded marketplace? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's tough in London especially because there are so many different options. Yeah. Um, and also now bigger brands doing vegan options too, which you know, really adds to the pressure. But um, I don't know, I think, you know, the brand is reasonably well established. We have a really healthy kind of social media following and, and regular customers who come to us all the time. Um, you know, that that in itself is quite strong. So I think every time you do something new, every time you, you know, you think of something else or every time you release a new product, like a retail product, um, people flock to it just, just through virtue of our Instagram and, and our, our existing customers. Um, but I think quality, right? You, you have to keep innovating. You, we're always working really hard. We've invested really heavily, probably disproportionately in production and development okay. um, right from the start. Okay. So for us, that's always been a huge thing. We've always spent far more, I think, than other brands of our size on those two things. Um, and I think it's paying dividends now. You know, we, we're really good. We're really fast at developing new things. We get them into stores quickly. There's already something new on the way. Our photography is now really good. We use a really good photographer. Um, so I think all of those things really help. You know, we, we, we're kind of performing like a big brand with with obviously a much smaller budget, which okay. I think is pretty good. Makes sense. Yeah. So do you think the importance there is extending the range of products or kind of refining what you have or I think or, it or can diversifying be. or yeah, what exactly is that? I think yeah. it's a bit of both, yeah. Okay. I think you, you have to kind of keep evolving what you've got. You know, the core products that we have, which people buy all the time, some of our best selling products. Yeah. We can't just leave those sit and just stay stay the same forever. So we're always kind of tweaking and evolving things as best we can. Sure but always innovating, you know, there's always something new. We try and do it once a month, sometimes it's once every couple of months, but there's always a new restaurant special. Okay. Um, and those specials for us are always trying to push the boundaries. Like the last month or so, we've had a pork crackling burger with actual like vegan pork crackling. Mm. Awesome, like it's, it's so good. Um, and, and that's what you get then you get, you don't just get people coming and going, yeah, fine, you know, I know I can get something consistent there and you don't talk about it afterwards. We get people coming and then they, they're wild on Instagram. You know, they're okay. telling six friends, they're telling whoever, uh, this is amazing. And I know you have um, a production kitchen. We do. And um, I think I read that you do wholesale or you have done wholesale yep. there as well. Yep. Has that stream been important to you? Uh, well? Yes, it was for a little while last year. So last year we started doing meal kits, yep. which was a pretty quick kind of innovation we turned to uh, in the middle of the lockdowns. Um, They've been, they were really good, but when we reopened the restaurants this year, um, we took a step back from it. We'll probably go back to it at some stage. Yeah. But for us, the, the important thing was kind of pushing customers to get back to the restaurant. Okay. So that's why we paused on that. But yeah, in terms of the production kitchen, um, we've done little bits and pieces along the way. Like we did a collaboration with uh, Yard Sale Pizza. Um, we've done, you know, 
patties and mayonnaise for the Hoxton Hotel. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that are, are nice, but they're not like the main driver. I think probably in the future we could make more of that sure. um, and really kind of push harder on that. But for us, the, the focus has been the restaurants and the retail products. Yeah. Okay, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And you mentioned there the collaborations with mm. the Hoxton as an example. Yeah. And I want to get into the brand because yeah. I think you've done amazingly well in terms of the following and the, the tone that you have. Yeah. They really, you are making noise yeah. in the vegan space yeah. and you are front runners in that space to, to many extent. Yeah. Um, what is your approach in terms of building that brand and like even the type of content mm. images that you get across? Is yeah. it quite specific or is it just more of a kind of intuitive it's, process? It's very deliberate, I would okay. say, yeah. Uh, Rachel, as I say, is kind of overseeing that whole process still. Mm. Um, she has, we have a phenomenal um, brand director who's actually based not in the UK, but is an old, old friend of Rachel's who kind of we took on full time about two, two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, so she is visually phenomenal. She comes again from a fashion background, but she's a phenomenal kind of graphic designer. So everything visual is, is coming from her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a collaboration. You know, we, Rachel is very deliberate about what goes on the Instagram. But the most important thing we've always found right from the start is authenticity. Mm. Um, you know, we very rarely just pay for things that, you know, uh, to, to boost numbers or whatever. Like, we, we don't do that very often. I think the most that we do is we'll work with, you know, influencers or people who we think could, could kind of represent the brand quite well. We do that a little bit, but we yeah. don't sort of pay for static numbers. That's just like, it's okay. not authentic. So for us, that's always been a big thing. What we say on the Instagram, you know, the pictures you see on the Instagram, um, that is what you'll have in the store. Sure. And that's really important to us. And we try and be as honest as we can. Rachel and I are honest. We have a blog on the on the website as well. So, you know, we try and kind of open the doors as much as possible and be as mm. transparent as possible. And mm. I think that's really resonated with people. Absolutely. They trust us, you know, I think we've, we're a trusted brand. Absolutely. I think if you lead with the brand, which yeah. I think you're doing, yeah. then it gives you the ability to leverage that to yeah. have these products and meal kits and yeah, whatever agreed. else is to come. Exactly. It's kind yeah. of, it, everything's kind of coming from that, which yes. is kind of sitting at the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And I know you do like festivals and mm. you're also uh, Virgin Mentors now as well. Yes. So is that all kind of just uh, kind of a way to build a brand and diversify even more or? I think they're two that? separate things. Yeah, the festivals are cool. I mean, we, we don't do them very often. We, we, we're very kind of picky. In fact, we haven't done one, well now, especially for a long time, but um, we do things like, uh, we've done the Lululemon Festival quite a few times and again, it's just such a, a, a you know a synergy with their customers you know a lot of their customers are our customers so that made a lot of sense we did a wilderness festival which is you know awesome full of people full of food and, and great things so we've done that before uh, stylist festival things like that so we, we're quite kind of picky about it we don't just we don't have a festival team who are out there all the time we kind of sure. do it's our, our line yeah exactly it's fairly ad hoc yeah. but um, when, when we do it we do we do the right ones okay. um, yeah, and then I think, you know, in terms of kind of growing that side, maybe in future that will that will grow. Um, but for sure, you know, that's been a good thing in the past to do. They're, they're quite, they're, they're, they're very intense festivals, but they're quite lucrative. They can be quite lucrative. Um, so yeah, we, we're always kind of on the, have an open mind about those things okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I want to talk about, um, I guess, the word vegan and mm. plant-based mm. and the differences and even yeah. the perception of both. <laughs> yeah. So notice you yeah. say vegan. Yeah. Uh, I think 100% of the time, yeah. you don't use plant-based. We've been, we've been both, we've been through both. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what, because I think the way I see it going is more mm. the plant-based mm. because there's a potential negative association yep. with vegan. For sure. Um, what's your opinion on that space? Where do you think it's going? 
I think the, the uh, brand representation and messaging around it. Yeah, I, I think you could go either way now, to be honest. I think we started saying plant-based, you know, four or five years ago for that exact reason. You know, we weren't, well, we were brand new to being vegan. Um, so for us, as you said, the word vegan was a little scary. Um, and I think at the time was for people too. But I think uh, as we've gone on, we've kind of, not that we weren't proud in the beginning, we were super proud. We were always very clear that we were, we were vegan. Yeah. Um, but I think you get to a point where you're established enough to say, we're a vegan business, you know, and, and, and we're proud of that. And, and we represent more than just being a business. You know, it, it, of course we want customers to come and enjoy and we want all of that, that stuff as well. But we're vegan throughout the business. You know, mm. there's no, um, there's no, everything's authentic. Even mm. behind the scenes, you know, even in our office, even in our production kitchen, whatever. Like nothing isn't vegan in our business. Sure. Um, so that's that's kind of why we then started merging into saying, actually, we're comfortable saying this now. Sure. Um, and I think you're, what you're starting to see is big brands are saying it as well now. Mm. Um, so I don't know. We're, we're pretty fluid with it. I think we, we do use the words interchangeably. Yeah. Um, maybe there's some purists out there who would say there are di differences between the two words. I think sure. vegan maybe has a, a wider kind of connotation. Plant-based is maybe more food-specific. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's my my kind of analysis of it, but I, sure. I don't think it matters. I think you can use both and I think it will, time will tell, right? Time will tell what sure. becomes the kind of word that people latch onto most, but we're yeah. fine with either, I think. Yeah. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. I think for yeah. me personally, yeah. vegan is it's almost a way of being and it's kind of everything right. around us. Right. Or plant-based is more right. food specific. Exactly, right? like yeah. yeah. Yeah, very yeah. good, interesting. Uh, where do you see the vegan space going then? Because obviously it's still a relatively small market, a few, relatively, few percent yeah. of the population. Yeah, yeah. So massive growth potential. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you see that kind of exponential growth curve continuing or yeah. how do you see it going? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I do. I think there's there's many different ways that it happens, right? There's, there's many different companies trying to do many different things. Um, you know, you're also getting people creating meat in a, uh, meat in a lab now. Mm. Um, which again is blurring the lines, but it's phenomenal science. You know, mm. it's, it, I think the, the, the future potential is, is enormous. Mm. I think where um, things will start to accelerate even more than maybe they are now is over the next few years, we're gonna see increased pressure um, environmentally, you know, mm. sustainably. So I think on those kinds of uh, lines, you're gonna see more and more people realizing the connection between you know, eating beef, for example, and the environment, sure. um, which I never had before. I, sure. I, I fully admit, before I was vegan, I had no idea about that kind of thing. Sure. I just assumed, you know, cows are in field, whatever, they, they, <laughs> they live and they die, um, and you eat them. But I, I, you know, if people just take the time to just understand the connections between food and environment, and then the environment and our future, frankly, Sure. Um, I think that's really where the biggest pressure is going to come and the biggest change is going to come. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And do you see, um, I guess, vegan kind of coming into like all food chains, like kind of as a prominent kind of category or? I think so, or, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, um, yeah, we, we actually went to um, Dishoom last night and uh, I mean, they had a vegan menu anyway, but every time I go there, there's like new new items, okay. extra items, and, and it's phenomenal. So it's becoming a core part of the menu. Yeah, session. I think yeah. so. I think so. And I think they're going to have to, you know, unless you're yeah. something really, really hardcore, maybe, I mean, KFC even has a <laughs> has a vegan yeah. burger. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're going to have to, because I think okay. customers do demand it now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
And how is the current business at the moment? So we're hopefully coming yeah. out of COVID towards the end of it, at least anyway. Yeah. How is it doing at the moment? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, obviously we're still not quite back where, you know, we were before. Yeah. Um, and we've had a, you know, a hammering like everybody else over the last 18 to 18 months to two years. So yeah, it's been a tough period, but now um, things are going well. You know, Brighton is very busy. Um, Shoreditch is really getting there and Canary Wharf in the last few weeks has really changed you know it's there's a lot of people back there now um, nowhere near again what who were there before but it's it's getting better so sure. we're definitely seeing green shoots um, we're definitely seeing positive you know positive movements so we're very we're very optimistic yeah okay, okay. Yeah. onwards and upwards hopefully. have to be yeah um, and what about the staffing crisis <laughs> obviously it's a major yeah. major critical yeah. issue at the moment it uh, is. And we mentioned just before we yeah, come yeah. on here that it's a little bit easier mm. that you're in the vegan space mm. and people kind of latch yeah. onto that or attractive. To Definitely. That. Yeah. How are you dealing with that at the moment? It's been tough. It's yeah. been tough. We we were very lucky for kind of two years, two years plus. We had a very very stable teams. Okay. Um, you know, we had very very low turnover. We still have low turnover. Um, but what I've found is the pandemic has changed what people want from their job. You know, a lot of people just got to the point where they were like. I don't want to work in a restaurant anymore. I'm going to go back to uni mm. or I'm going to go do something completely different. So I think we had a lot of that earlier in the summer. Mm. Um, we had a lot of change in our teams, but that period then of finding a lot of new people quite quickly, that's really hard right now. Mm. Um, if you're looking for a few, a few people at once, that's very difficult. Okay. Um, there's people out there, but we've never been a brand that just hire a pair of hands. Yeah. We're very, very deliberate and very careful about who we hire because it's very important to us that you know they represent the brand to our customers. Because sure. again, that goes back to the authenticity point. I don't want customers coming into the store and getting a rubbish service. Mm. So that's why you know we, we care a lot about that. But we've sure. been very lucky. We found a lot of really good people in the last two months. Okay. Um, and now, thankfully, our teams are pretty stable again. But yeah, I mean, look, we're opening a new store hopefully soon and um, we're gonna need to hire 15 people so I mean it's yeah, yeah it starts again but okay. yeah it's it's very tough I think yeah. um, there's lots of factors everybody kind of knows them to death now but sure. um, what's yeah. your outlook for it do you think visas are going to be relaxed a little bit or I don't know you know I, I think they're going to have to be or some something because there's there's no there's no give at the moment and yeah. also you've got companies like Tesco who are able to come in and give people like a thousand pound signing on bonus mm. Restaurants can't do that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, um, and as you know, the, re the 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 margins just don't work. I would love to pay people twenty pounds an hour, but I can't. You know, sure. I we just can't. Otherwise, we won't have a business. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think there'll be a bit of a bit more struggle uh, for the next few months, maybe. Um, I think the government will get to a point where they'll have to maybe bring down the salary threshold for visas or something like that. Sure. Um, which isn't a huge concession on their part, but would also help to grease the wheels of. You know getting people in again because sure. it's it's very difficult we get next to no applicants now from eu countries wow. well like very very few wow. yeah. yeah something has to be done There's which no is sad you know never mind the the staffing crisis and the visa problems like that to me is really sad yeah our business thrives when we have loads of different people from loads of different countries and sure. i think it's really sad that we've kind of got to a place where we're kind of putting the drawbridge up and <laughs> keeping people out it just doesn't make sense to me yeah. but there we go that's exactly. another 
I think there has to be some gov government <laughs> intervention. I and think solution. so. Yeah. The market or the the, mm. the population is not there in the yeah. UK that wants to work in hospitality. Yeah, so. yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. So, what then is the future for the Vertico? What's the growth plans? You mentioned a new yeah. site. Yeah, lots. Pipeline. Yeah, yeah, lots. So, um, we announced a few weeks ago actually our new site, our next site, which is in Manchester. Yeah. Um, another awesome city. Always loved Manchester, but in the last kind of five years, it's become this awesome awesome place i love it so much um full of great people full of like you know excitement for vegan products um and just loads of good properties so we found a really good space we had a really good deal um you know which again was a consequence of an opportunity i suppose that came out of covid um and yeah so that for us we're continuing to add new sites um probably at a rate of maybe three a year something like that three or four a year hopefully okay. in the future um, but the retail products for us is another kind of exciting thing. You know, we launched those last year. Um, they're growing. They're, we're adding new products all the time. We're adding new retailers all the time. Um, we're selling in the US now. We're shipping to the Middle East soon. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, there's there's been lots of hard times, but there's lots of things to look forward to as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Sounds like world domination is on the cards. I mean, you know, we're, we're just trying <laughs> to keep... The sky's the limit. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. sky's the limit. I think that's a nice way to put it. I think we we don't pay too much attention to, you know, what the end game is or, mm. or any of that stuff. We're kind of just, you know, going with what we feel is the right thing at, at each moment. And sure. yeah, we're, we're riding a bit of a wave at the moment. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sounds good. I think what's kind of come through this whole um, talk or conversation yeah. is just continual iteration, yeah. continual growth, Always. continual refinement. Yeah, yeah. And Always. that just kind of keeps you going yeah. and keeps you in the right direction. Yeah. In yeah. life too, right? Like we're, we're always, I'm always trying to learn something new. Yeah. Always. Um, otherwise, it gets a bit boring, doesn't it? So yeah. yeah, we're always challenging ourselves. We're always challenging our development team. Sure. They're always challenging us too. Um, and even the team, you know, some of our staff come to us with a lot of great ideas too. They come and they say, oh, customers said X, Y, and Z, so why don't we do this? Yeah. And then we go, oh yeah, great. Sure. Um, we're very open, you know, we're very open to where the idea comes from. Sure. Um, so that's good. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And if you were to give somebody a bit of advice, let's mm. say maybe has an idea yeah. um, or some stomach issues, yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. what piece of advice would you give them to kind of get going and to kind of start out on that journey? Yeah, I think it's important, you know, um, to know exactly what you're doing and why. I think they're the kind of two big questions to answer in the beginning. I think if you're just coming out with like a Me Too product, um, you're going to struggle, you know, unless you have a ton of money that you can throw at it. But if you're coming at it from a background like we did, then you really got to have something slightly different or have something which makes you unique. Um, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel for that. You know, nobody needs you to reinvent what a restaurant is, but you have to have a concept that, you know, resonates with people and it's something slightly, oh, you know, just perks people's interest a little bit. So sure. I think for that, and then once you've done that, uh, quality, 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 quality. Yeah. Um, it's everything. You have to be good enough to get people through the door, but you have to be even better to be able to keep them coming back. Sure. Um, and especially with new things coming all the time, there's, you know, you've really got to try and focus a lot on that. So sure. yeah, sure. it would be the things I'd great say. Advice, great advice. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Great to speak to you, Neil. You too. Thanks and for having me. it's a really interesting, very exciting journey. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots more to come as well. Absolutely. So, Hope so. Great stuff. Thanks. Thanks very Cheers. much. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Cheers.